Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WET, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the Health Promotion Suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus. My name is Bella, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. Hello, lovely people. Today, we're going to be talking about how to build a plan for yourself on how to take care of yourself and how to make sure um, that you're safe in case a crisis does occur. Just preparing for any and all mental health situations. But before we get started, because we know that, you know, a lot of the topics we're going to be covering might be activating for you, um, we're going to start with a quick meditation and we'll end with one as well. So we'll go ahead and get started. Find a comfortable position. If you're in a chair with both feet on the ground and your hands in your lap, allow yourself to feel centered in the chair. And we'll start to bring all of your attention to the physical act of breathing. Start to notice the breath as it enters your body through your nose and travels to your lungs. Notice with curiosity whether the inward and outward breaths are cool or warm and notice where the breath travels as it enters and departs. Notice the breath as your lungs relax and you inhale through your nose. Don't try to do anything with your breathing. Simply notice it, pay attention to it, and be aware of it. It doesn't matter if your breathing is slow or fast deep or shallow, it just is what it is. Allow your body to do what it does naturally. You will start to notice that each time you breathe in, your stomach will expand. And each time you breathe out, your stomach will relax. Again, don't try to do anything. Just be aware of the physical sensations of breathing in and breathing out. If you find that thoughts intrude, 
This is okay. Don't worry. Don't judge yourself. Just notice the thoughts. Allow them to be. And gently bring your awareness back to your breath. When you're ready, you can come back into your space. If you had your eyes closed, you can open them now. I hope that you are feeling present and grounded. And I'm going to move us now to our discussion with Amy Ruff, who you may remember from some of our past episodes. Hey, um, so we have Amy here today. Amy, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, my name is Amy Ruff and I'm the Mental Health Promotion Specialist at CHAC. Well, we are so glad to have you back. Um, our community trauma and mental health episode is doing really well. So thank you for being a part of that. Um, and I hope people enjoyed that episode and enjoy this one as well. So. Today we're talking about wellness and safety plans. So what is a wellness and safety plan to start off with? Yeah, but the way the WEP team has conceptualized it, which I think is beautiful, um, it's a wellness plan. So planning to take care of yourself and preventing yourself from getting to a state of crisis. Uh, and then also having a safety plan that you can access um, if in fact crisis does happen. So there's the thriving, maintenance phase, the wellness piece, and then there's the things aren't going as well. How do I survive and how do I keep going so I can get back to that maintenance stage uh, and being okay? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's used for a variety of different things, um, you know, spectrum of self-harm. So that could be something um, more light than heavy, or it could be something that's um, involving violence. And it can also be used for suicidal ideation. It can be really helpful for that. And um, as well as a relapse prevention plan. So what does that include? How is that a little bit different? Well, yeah, I think with a relapse prevention plan and folks in recovery might be already familiar with this, uh, the crisis already that's identified would potentially be relapse or using again. And so the entire plan is designed to provide supports to identify when you might be activated to use again uh, and find ways to avoid that. So really what we're offering uh, as far as the safety planning and the wellness planning could be adapted if in fact you are in recovery to be a relapse prevention plan with the stated intention of avoiding the crisis of relapse. Yeah, absolutely. And that can also include a variety of um, what we sometimes call target behaviors. So it's things that you do that, you know, feel sometimes more harmful than beneficial. And knowing what can lead you up to that point, it can be really helpful in having an intervention for yourself. Um, and anticipating, you know, things that are challenging or triggering for you that cause a spike in anxiety, you know, something like the election, I'm mm -hmm. definitely, um, you know, having a lot of anxiety and stress about that. So knowing um, when things are, are coming, you, maybe you have 
presentation or exam or something um, and having your plan with you can be really helpful. It also can be helpful for unforeseen stressors. Um, and I was telling Amy, you know, 2020, if, if, if she's taught us anything, it's that <laughs> most stressors are unforeseen and those can be the ones that affect you the most. So being prepared can be really, really helpful and can, you know, give you an avenue for knowing that you can get through it and that you have steps that you can take. Um, so Amy, I wanna talk about what is a crisis? Cause throughout this episode and you know, in your plan, you're preparing for crisis if it does happen. Um, but what is that? Because I think you know, a lot of people have different definitions and their crisis is gonna look completely different. So how can we kind of define that term? Well, I think maybe the most general way that we could frame it is that when we experience a loss of control uh, in which we feel that we aren't able to meet our own needs and whether that's keeping ourselves safe from harm, um, keeping others safe from harm, when we no longer feel that we are in control uh, of ourselves, might be the, the way that we can encapsulate all folks. Um, and I think another way to look at it crisis, and this is in the definition if you were to look it up, a crisis is a turning point when an important change takes place. And I think as we often frame it, it's a negative change. It means things are going poorly and, and, and spiraling out of control. Um, but also we know that if we are able to be somewhat predictive about that happening, about that crisis occurring, that change or that tumultuous uh, event happening, that allows us to take some of that control back so that we can potentially um, shape what the future holds or the direction that things turn in. And so um, while I think a crisis we inherently understand to be negative, there are ways in which we can use it for change to sustain us and to, to help us ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. And you definitely touched on it, but how can having this wellness and safety plan really help us interrupt that cycle and, and interrupt that, um, you know, sliding down the slope towards crisis. Yeah, well, especially when we create wellness or safety plans specifically when we are not activated, when we are not in crisis, when we have our full prefrontal cortex online in our brain and our full executive functioning, we can create really good plans that outline things that are very specific to us that are helpful for us. Um, we can identify people in our lives that we know to be healing and therapeutic and to be stabilizing for us. And so by accessing our rational thinking brain when we're not in crisis and picking out things that are specific to us, we can then implement them when we don't feel like we have full capacity of our brain, then when we're not, when we are more activated, uh, when our amygdala is going off. And so uh, it really allows us to bring control back in a way that doesn't require us to do heavy lifting, heavy mental work in the moment of crisis. Yes, absolutely. Having that toolbox just like written down already so you don't have to do that processing to think of what's helpful um and you know when i'm in a bad space sometimes i feel like it'll never get better and i know a lot of people feel like this um or you you don't want help sometimes you don't want to feel better um but that's that can be more when you're not feeling like yourself so having steps to know that you can feel better that you've probably been through this before and that you've come out on the other side can be really validating and it can also help when you're struggling to communicate. Sometimes when you're 
you know, in that state, it can be hard to express what's going on and to express what you need. And sharing this with people around you can be really, really helpful for them knowing how to support you. Because a lot of times people want to support you, but they just don't really know what to do. Um, so having that validation and, and plan can be, you know, life-changing. Yeah, 100%. And just to go back just a touch, you had mentioned, you know, that there are predictable things that we can anticipate. And you mentioned the election is one such thing that uh, many of us are holding a lot of anxiety, a lot of hope for. Um, I do want to give a shout out to Shack Counseling Department, who put out uh, an Instagram post recently about election-centered stress management. And in that, they identified, like, what are some symptoms? What's some preventative care? Uh, what are coping strategies? Essentially, they gave all these tools that if you were to look at and you were to pick out what resonates with you and what feels good, you could take that and turn that into your own personalized safety plan for the election, if that makes sense. So to kind of describe how, what the utility of how this could happen um, with a very specific example. Yeah, absolutely. That's super helpful. And, you know, that can apply for a, a variety of different things. There's, totally. you know, so many resources out there for what's helpful for like specific concerns that you have or um, activating situations. So um, there's, you know, plenty of research that you can do if you're not feeling like you can come up with solutions or things that are helpful. And we'll talk about this more later, but um, doing this with someone else is, you know, kind of the best way to go about it so that you're not stuck in your own head trying to, you know, come up with ways that you can get out of it. Um, I also want to validate that, you know, crisis and what we talked about, it might be something that you don't relate to or something that you, you don't think that you'll ever get to. But, um, you know, a lot of times your mental health can put you in a place that you never expected that you'd get to. So having a plan and having that prevention already in place can be really, really, um, you know, it can be life-saving and it can prevent a lot of harm. So I really hope that, you know, even this, if this is not something that you think will ever be part of your story, giving it a try and, and you know, even helping other people make one can be really you know, helpful and healing and um, builds community too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So Amy, um, let's talk a little bit about what the plan includes and we will be attaching our template so you can download that and fill it out um, when you're ready. So what is the typical plan kind of um, included? Yeah, well I will say I want to give a shout out to the WET team for creating a wellness plan that has a whole side dedicated to wellness and prevention and, and when we're not in that place. And I think that's not always common. I think more often than not, we think of safety planning as crisis planning and we only focus on that scenario. So I just want to give you all some props for doing that. Um, but most plans uh, always include um, identification of what are challenges or things that activate you and what are your natural response to those things so that you know um, if say traveling on public transportation is going to cause anxiety, you can name that and you can say, this is a scenario that activates me. Here's how I respond. My heart is racing. I start to be flushed, et cetera. And so then you're, you're aware, it's getting that self-awareness. So those warning signs are really important to identify. Uh, and those can let you know when you're starting to potentially 
um, move away from like your prefrontal cortex and you're moving it to maybe more of a trauma response. And then the next piece you'd wanna include is knowing how to communicate what you need from yourself and from others uh, when you're in that state, when you might be activated. Um, and then most plans are all good plans would include a resource list of things that you can do to respond to whatever state that you're in. And I think this piece, and we'll talk a bit more about it, um, is the personalized piece. So there are coping strategies for that we could all just list, but some of them don't resonate with you. So these need to be the strategies that you know to be helpful for you in these situations. Um, the lists or the plan also generally includes people that you can re reach out to, um, close folks that you have trusted relationships with, and it also can include crisis lines or um, support agencies that you know that you can reach out to uh, if need be. And then the plan can also include places, so environments that you know to be safe and comforting that you can retreat to uh, and that you can um, build up some capacity for healing in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's really important to note is how specific you can get to yourself and your situation. And um, also knowing that, you know, there's a sliding scale, there's different levels to wellness and to well-being. And, you know, if you're if you're doing really well, you might be able to access more of these coping skills and um, more of these like healthy practices. But, you know, if you're not doing as well, you might not be able to access all of those. So um, having them ready to go is helpful when you can't remember. Um, and knowing that your skills that you use are gonna be different depending on where you're coming from and what's your baseline. Yeah, I think you touched on nicely that there's a range. So you, you can offer yourself a range of things that you can engage in. And so when you're in that place or you're in that state um, of feeling that you might be losing control, you're able to pick out, okay, I'm looking at this plan. I know what I've written down. This one's not available to me right now. I'm just going to breathe. I'm just going to engage in the breathing techniques that I know. Um, so you have options depending on exactly how you feel that day. Yeah. And you can um, adjust the plan depending on where you're at. So the big thing is knowing how to modify and um, modifying the self-care strategies for where you're at. So, you know, if you're in a really bad spot, you might want to take care of your, what I like to call your bio needs first. So food, water, sleep. And then if you're not, you know, doing better, maybe you can focus on showering and hygiene. Um, and then you can build up to, you know, things that you know can make you feel better. And then if you're, if you're doing really well, you might be able to practice these things more often. You might be able to have healthy behaviors that are more complex or you do it more frequently or for longer. And, you know, for example, if you're doing really well, you might want to do some yoga, you might want to go for a run. Um, and if you're not doing as well, you might modify the practice and maybe it can just be some stretching or, you know, you go for a brief walk. And then if you're doing really poorly, you might just focus on the breathing or doing some really basic stretches or even just like standing up for a little bit or standing outside or something. Um, and just know that wherever you are, you're not gonna be there forever. Um, so that can be a way to kind of conceptualize knowing that you adjust what your skills are depending on where you are. Yeah, and I think you, you also mentioned that these are things that you know to be helpful for you. So these are hopefully all of the coping strategies or all of the things that you can engage in. 
ideally are things that you do all the time, even when you're well. So these are practice skills that you have that you know to be helpful uh, that then you can really call upon um, in times when you're not doing as well. So if that's like breathing exercises or meditation, you certainly wouldn't want to put meditation on your safety plan if that's not a regular daily practice that you have. Right. <laughs> so authentic to your experience and, and to what you're comfortable and what you enjoy engaging in. Yeah, completely. And, and you know, these things might change over time. We evolve and the only thing that doesn't change is that change happens, you know? So um, knowing that you can adjust this and maybe write it in pencil and you can <laughs> um, find that sometimes practices are just like, okay, I'm, I'm done with that. It's not helpful to me anymore. Or learning new things and exploring and, and trying out different um, things to see what works and keep it fresh. Um, yeah, so Amy, um, what is kind of the best way to go about creating this plan and, and sitting down to work on it? Yeah, I think especially given um, the nature of, of your own mental health and the scenarios in which you anticipate there being potentially crisis or anxiety, um, I would always recommend that folks do this with a mental health professional or someone who can help them explore different coping strategies, someone who, someone who can hold a safe space for them to uh, engage in the planning. Um, but also it can be done outside of a mental health professional with a trusted friend that potentially has had a lived experience um, with utilizing a safety plan. Um, for folks that are in recovery, that can often mean doing that um, with a sponsor or with someone that is your recovery mentor. So someone that has been there before is really helpful. So in the absence of having someone that's been there before, it's really helpful to go to mental health like professionals and resources that can guide you through it. Um, but there's also all these folks and peers with lived experience um, that can be really helpful as you as you do this for yourself. Yeah, and you can use um, multiple resources and, and multiple people in your support network. Like when you're writing about how you communicate, maybe talking with a family member or a close friend or, or someone who has been there with you and, and knows when you aren't able to communicate or when things have worked really well and been effective. And then things that are more like specific coping skills that are from you know certain yes. certain types of therapy can be more with a mental health professional or you know learning about different crisis lines and um, things that are around you, maybe doing some research or um, having, you know, your, you know, shack counselor or something um, helping you with that can be really great. Um, and again, we want to reiterate that you can work on this plan when you're able to think more clearly, when you're, you're in a better space. So when you're in crisis, you don't want to be, you know, trying to write these things down necessarily. Um, when you're able to access wise mind and you can separate yourself from these feelings a little bit and be like, okay, that's when I'm that person, but <laughs> that's not me today. So I can understand how that process happens for me. Um, and also just knowing that you can create this plan at your own pace. Um, you know, a lot of these topics and, and things to think about can be really activating. So um, maybe do it a little bit at a time um, you don't have to do it all in one sitting. It's not homework. It's for you and it's investing in yourself. Yeah, and I appreciate that you mentioned sharing it, you know, especially with regards to how do you communicate uh, when you might be in crisis or what are your communication needs. And so while you might not develop the initial plan with a family member, it absolutely would make sense that you would share it with a family member who might be able to help you engage in the plan um, when you might need to utilize it. 
Yeah, completely. Sharing it with your close support network um, can be really great. You know, whoever you're comfortable sharing it with when you're when you're done or wh whether you're in process, um, your roommate, hopefully you have someone that you live with that um, you can talk about these things with, whoever you're comfortable sharing with. Um, and, and walking them through your warning signs can be really helpful um, so that they kind of know what to look for too. And not, not that you're under the microscope, but just so people can notice things when sometimes you have a hard time noticing things. Um, and you, you really just, you, I want to validate that you don't have to carry the weight of managing your well-being alone. You aren't alone. Um, and you have people in your life that can help you with this, even if you think you don't. Um, however, you also can't expect them to always know what's going on with you if you don't communicate at all. So um, it's important to know how to, to write down that communication skill so you know how you can activate their support. Um, and it doesn't even have to be verbal communication. Like it can be a secret signal you do where you, you know, you move the lamp to the other table and, and that's how they know that they should check in with you or, um, you know, maybe it's a code word or maybe it's a text. Um, something that I do with my mom that's really helpful is she asked me what's my number on a scale of one to 10. And it's really simplified and, you know, mental health cannot be reduced to a number, but it's just a, a basic kind of way to, to gauge where I'm at. So she knows like um, if she needs to check in more or if she, she can leave me alone. Um, so having those, you know, communication avenues really established with your support network um, can be a really helpful way to get the process started of asking for help because sometimes you know you can't always voice that um, but you know making sure that you establish that really clearly before it happens so you're not just like well I moved the lamp um, they're gonna <laughs> why aren't they taking care of me now you know um, knowing that it's a balance and um, you can ask for help and be cared for, and you're not alone, but also it's really empowering to be your own caregiver and practice self-compassion and um, do what you can in the moment, but you know, you're not always going to be able to do that. Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that, like, we are not solely responsible for our mental health. I mean, we have personal responsibility, obviously, but our mental health is so impacted by the world around us as well, and I think the the myth of uh, radical self-determination and individualism that we get fed in this country makes it really hard for folks um, struggling with their mental health to ask for help or to think that that they deserve support, um, that somehow we're not deserving if we're, we're failing individually. But we are interdependent. We are codependent. <laughs> we create the world for each other and we thrive together uh, if we, in fact, thrive. No one is doing this on their own as much as they might think that. Um, so yeah, so reach out, talk about it. Um, you are here, you are important to other people um, and we want our community to thrive. If you're doing well, we are doing well. Yeah, I think there's that um, idea, especially with people kind of college-aged or traditional college age where you're still forming your um, your practice your behaviors and your way of interacting with the world and <laughs> that struggle between independence and you know I can do this on my own and I'm my own person and all that um, I don't need anybody and then also the human natural need for other people uh, you know um, 
we are social beings and we do need help sometimes. So I hope that you can engage with this wellness and safety plan and share it with your support network and um, learn how to ask for that help and in ways that are specific to you and make sense for you. And it's gonna look different in different situations, but as long as you are prepared for that, then um, hopefully you'll be able to engage with it more healthily. Yeah, any, um, well, thanks for coming, Amy. Do you have any closing thoughts about this? No, I just would love to uh, encourage folks to take the best care possible of themselves. We are coming up in the next three, two weeks on potentially one of the most stressful and anxiety producing events uh, nationally that we regularly have. Um, and so think deeply about that. We need you here. We need you here uh, regardless of what happens on you know, the day after the election um, and, and you make us stronger, you make PSU stronger, you make your community stronger. So let's do this together. Um, and potentially a, a way to begin might be reflecting on what do we individually need and how do we, how do we access those needs with our community? Yeah, thank you so much. Healing ourselves, healing each other and healing our community and the world. Thank you so much for coming, Amy. Thanks again to Amy for being part of this episode. Of course, we will have resources always linked down in the description of this episode, um, but just a few to mention here. Lines for Life is always um, the number you can call. You also can access NAMI or the National Alliance for Mental Illness. And um, if you are a PSC student, you can access shack counseling services and all those will be linked below and we will also have some numbers you can call in the template that we will be having in the description so if you want to make a wellness and safety plan please do so if you want to share it with others feel free and we will be having that template down in the description so check it out i hope you enjoy and to close out because you know difficult topic and we've had a lot of heavy stuff. Um, we just want to close out with another meditation if you're um, ready. So we're going to just focus on being present and we're going to get started. So we're going to start with a mindfulness of the breath. And we're just going to sit with our breath for a few minutes. Now bring to your awareness something that came up for you listening to this episode that is difficult. Maybe thoughts of an event in the past that was painful or distressing. Maybe something in your life in the present time that is causing you painful feelings. Or it may be something you are worried about in the future. Allow yourself to bring your attention to focus on one of these worrying thoughts. Notice what is happening in your body right now as you have these thoughts. Are there places of tension or tightness? What is happening to your breathing? Don't try to modify the sensations in your body. 
Just allow yourself to notice them with curiosity. Notice now the thoughts that are going through your mind. Just notice them as thoughts. Remember, thoughts are not facts. They are simply what your mind is saying or creating at any given moment. They may be based in factual events, but they are simply the mind thinking. Think about the thoughts you are having. Notice them as they change and notice each new thought as it replaces the previous one. As you continue to notice the sensations in your body, See if you can put words to some of the feelings that come with these difficult and painful thoughts. They may be feelings like sadness, hurt, anger, loneliness, fear, or pain. Feelings may be difficult, they may be deeply uncomfortable, but they are not wrong or right. They are simply part of your present moment experience. Allow your awareness to move between the thoughts you are having as you notice them. The physical sensations you are having as you notice them and the feelings and emotions you are having as you notice them. Release judgments about the wanderings of your mind. Finally, bring your awareness and attention back to your breathing for a while, noticing the physical sensation of taking breath into your body and releasing it. When you're ready, come back to the present moment. Hold some self-compassion for the difficult times we're in right now. 
and the difficult feelings you may be feeling. If you can, give yourself a soothing touch and thank yourself for investing in your wellness today. Thanks so much and see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the What's Up podcast. We'll catch up with you on our next episode, which will be posted every Friday this term. While PSU has gone remote for the time being, we wanted to let you know that Shaq is still here for you. We are fully committed to the physical and emotional health and wellness of PSU students. Please call ahead to use our health services for flu shots, free COVID testing, or general appointments at 503 725-2800. Counseling services are still available via telehealth and you can schedule your appointments by calling that same number 503-725-2800. If you are looking for more health and wellness resources, you can check out our online health magazine that gets sent to your pdx.edu email every Wednesday or you can download the Campus Well app. You can also check out the virtual MindSpa experience to rest, relax, and rejuvenate wherever you have internet access. We will be including website links in the episode description. We also have a Google form that you can complete with any questions about health, shack, or anything we discuss in the podcast. You can find the link in the episode description. Thanks for listening, and take care.